Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association has teamed up with the Association de la Sommelier Internationale, ASI, to expand awareness and understanding of sake and its many facets throughout the world. ASI has members in over 60 countries and provides a forum for sommelier exchange, educational programs, and competitions. The partnership will enable the establishment of a network of active sommeliers interested in sake and will provide opportunities to communicate sake's potential pairings beyond the framework of Japanese food. ASI's General Assembly was held in Nagoya in July of this year. In September, the ASI Boot Camp will be held in Malaysia, and in November, the ASI Best Sommelier Competition for Asia and Oceania will be held in Taiwan. The World Competition will be held in February of 2023 in Paris. In the future, JSS will continue to coordinate efforts with ASI by providing sake tastings and seminars at events organized by ASI. The people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history of Welcome and thanks again for once again tuning into a brand new episode of Sake on Air, the world's very first podcast dedicated to expanding the dialogue surrounding Japan's iconic beverages of sake and shochu. My name is Justin Potts and I'm one of your regular hosts here on the show. And this week we are kicking off a new semi-ongoing series. Over the past couple of years, in a world where international visitors have largely been restricted from entering Japan, we've been repeatedly getting a very specific type of show topic request, sake travel. In a world where the results of a Google search are often treated as the best answer to a majority of the world's unanswered questions, a lot of the most accessible and exceptional sake experiences to be had all across Japan have yet to bubble to the surface. So for this series, we've decided to bring together your regular Sake on Air hosts that have a passion for and a very specific experience with different regions across Japan, and put them together with longtime locals and specialists in local travel, dining, and of course, sake, to offer our listeners some tips on how to go about making the most of their next sake journey to Japan. Kick things off this week, I'm joined by longtime resident, musician, sake industry news editor, tour guide, and all-around exceptional sake advocate, Mr. Julian Hausman, who, together with him, we will be exploring his home court in and around Osaka. Julian has more than a few suggestions for good times and great gastronomic discoveries to be had in one of Japan's most boisterous culinary metropolises. So with that, why don't you pour yourself a glass of your favorite rice-fermented beverage? And we'll go ahead and get on with the show. This week, I am very excited to dig into Osaka. Uh, Osaka is, is just a really lively, vibrant, uh, exciting area. It's a place that's close to my heart. Uh, so that's where I spent uh, most of my time when I uh, first made it over to this island. And so I'm very excited to explore that today. And I'm very excited to explore it together with our guest, uh, Mr. Julian Hausman, who is, who has been based in Osaka for a considerable amount of time. Uh, he is a writer for Sake Today and for the Japan Beer Times, uh, an editor at Sake Industry News. Uh, when the world is in a more normal state of being, 
he's a tour guide in and around the Osaka area, focusing a lot on uh, exceptional um, drinking and dining experiences, and just an overall trustworthy uh, and fantastic uh, sake advocate. So I'm very excited to have Julian here uh, joining us to share a little bit about his hometown. Julian, how are you doing there, sir? Very well, very well. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, I'm glad we got to do this. It's, yes. uh, you know, tell us just real quick a little bit about yourself. Hmm. What's what's your relationship with with Osaka and with just sake in general? What's 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 going on with you? Um, well, my relationship with Osaka goes back to 2000, um, which was when I first came to Japan. And I, uh, like a lot of people, only planned on being here for a year. Um, I just ended up in Osaka by chance. And I loved it. And it just kind of, yeah, yeah, the lifestyle and the atmosphere kind of suited me at the time. And I ended up staying, you know, longer and longer. And before you knew it, uh, I'd been here for about seven years. And then I went home for a spell, um, home being Australia. And then I returned to, J to Japan and to Osaka again in 2012. And I've been here ever since. Basically 22 years with, a, with about a six-year gap in the middle. Got it. Yeah. Very good. I, there's something, I, I don't have any evidence to back this up, but mm. it seems that for some reason, a lot of people who, whose experience or journey in Japan starts in Osaka, it seems a lot of those folks tend to stick around. Yeah, compared that's to, true. Right? Compared to maybe a lot of individuals who come into Tokyo. Yeah. There's something about Osaka that people seem to gladly adopt as their home away from home. I don't know. Yeah, I think it does I think it does suit um, you know, people from Western countries in a way as well, because the people here are definitely more uh more vibrant, more boisterous. They're, you know, happy to have a chat, they're a bit louder and stuff. So I think uh, particularly, yeah, people from English-speaking countries feel a bit more relaxed, feel they can relax a bit more here, um, you know, as opposed to some other areas where they might be uh, concerned about um, stepping on cultural toes and whatnot. It's, it's definitely more a relaxing place. Um, and yeah, there's also like people in particular extremely, uh, you know, proud of the region. And I think that pride then seeps into the, the, the foreign community here as well. And they kind of take it upon themselves to also be equally pr proud of uh, of Osaka so I, I yeah I think it's once you're here and once you're in it it's a it's a good place to be in it and also maybe a, a difficult place to get away from in a good way yeah. <laughs> in a good way absolutely yeah. absolutely so where did just real quick then where does where does your love or appreciation for this this fine fine beverage we call sake come from was that part of your part of your Osaka experience um, no, I mean, to give you the, the, the nutshell um, story, basically, I, I came to Japan originally um, as a musician, as a young, uh, quite stupid, naive musician. Um, as I said, I was only going to be here for a year. And I was at the time working as a musician and music teacher in Australia. And I wanted to basically try and do some uh, music work overseas and came here. And I found out very quickly that that was, you know, not going to happen because I didn't speak any Japanese at the time. And I, I ended up staying the second year on uh, to study Japanese and I went to school full time. And while I was doing that, I began working in a bar um, in the evening to practice speaking Japanese. And that basically that side of things ended up snowballing and I ended up, you know, going from job to job and, uh, you know, started in one bar and then working in another bar, another restaurant kind of thing. And yeah, I got really, I was basically, uh, you know, totally immersed in the hospitality industry here. And during that period, I was, my work was all wine and cocktail and whiskey based. Um, it, 
didn't have anything to do with sake at all, but I, which is why I actually used to drink sake after work because it was the one thing that one of the, you know, like having a, a, just a, a beer on tap and numb a beer. Yeah. Um, it was the thing that I could unwind with and not have to think about work. Whereas, you know, if you're, if you're after work and you go in and have a wine or something, you're in that kind of, you know, analyzing mode and you kind of pick it apart. Whereas I'd, I'd go to a, a restaurant and, you know, just order sake or just say, just bring me something and they'd bring something out. And every now and then they'd, they'd try and tell me what it is. Oh, this is a, you know, whatever, this is a Jumei Saginja. And I'd be like, dude, I don't care. It's got nothing yeah. to do with my job. I just, just need to unwind. Yeah. So I did used to drink it a fair bit. And it was actually when I went back to Australia um, after, you know, being here for seven years or so. And, and I was working in wine, uh, in the wine industry in Australia as well. And people used to ask me and they would say, oh, you know, once they knew that I had a bit of my history and they said, well, you lived in Japan, so you must know about sake as well. And I was like, oh, actually, not really. I, I drank it mm -hmm. a lot, but I don't know anything about it. And I started to, yeah, kind of miss it. And uh, so, yeah, it was actually going back to Australia that sparked my interest in sake even though I, yeah, my, my interest here before was very uh, just basic. It was just, it was yeah. just okay. you know, something to unwind with. But now it's, yeah. now it's kind of flipped and gone the other way. And uh, yeah, it's all about sake now. Yeah, excellent. I said it helps to, to, to step away every now and then for, for a minute. It helps, it helps, yeah, you, yeah. It helps right, bring, bring things into view. That's right. So let's let's talk a little bit about this this place called called Osaka. Mm. Um, what what is Osaka? What is I guess from a brewing from a sake perspective, in, in a in a strange way, it's not necessarily known for sake per se. No, like it's, Osaka itself anyway. Yeah, it's I mean it's probably got a you know it's definitely got a reputation as a place to go for a drink, but it's not necessarily has a reputation as a um, historically as a, as a sake region as such to most people, the, despite the fact that it does actually have um, some uh, historical connections to the, you know, the, the greater history of, of sake. Um, it's not a major brewing region anymore. Um, there was, as I mentioned, yeah, there was a, a period in the 17th century or so where uh, the area which I actually live in now, um, Ikeda, Ikeda City, was one of the major hubs of, uh, of, of sake brewing. There used, used to be about in between 30 and 40, depending on who you ask, in between you know, 30 and 40 breweries in this area and in this little town here. And now there's one, um, there's one left. Um, there's one and a half, there's one and there's one left that's just a, basically an office and they, they get their sake brewed offsite kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, there they used to be yeah, 30, 40 odd breweries here and they were, they were part of that whole uh, Kurari Zake movement of, you know, um, shipping the sake up to, up to Edo, up to Tokyo back in the day. Um, so this area, Ikeda, and also uh, Itami, which is technically Hyogo, um, Hyogo Prefecture, but it's just across the river, across the Inagawa River here, which is, uh, so the Inagawa River is the river that flows through Ikeda, and uh, it comes, it's, I think it originates down near Kyoto, so it's a perfect place for like, you know, shipping, and they used to ship timber as well, we used to come through the area as well from uh, nearby Nose. So it was a a region that traditionally had some, you know, some serious uh, sake brewing gone, but you know, a few hundred years back. But then, of course, you know, regions like Fushimi and, and Nara um, yeah. in, in Kobe basically uh, took the crown away, and and yeah, now we're left with with one little brewery and, and yeah. all, all but forgotten uh, by most people. So yeah, and now I think these days in in across all of Osaka, uh, less less than fifteen breweries. I think there's probably about you know twelve to twelve or thirteen active breweries at the moment um or 14 or so um so yeah it's and and none of them are big there's no there's no major um no no major breweries here there's no no big uh, ote as they say um 
they're, they're all very small breweries and um, mostly brewing for the, the local market here. Yeah. And so, so there's, I mean, as far as sake production historically, right, it's, it was a very, it was a significant region. It was um, critical in sort of the proliferation, right, in sake mm. production, like you said, going out um, to Tokyo and whatnot. But where where it may lack is a quote unquote sake specific region, it definitely has its own culture as far as when it comes to the enjoyment of sake and and related beverages. Yeah, for sure. You know, food and dining. I mean, it's it, it's like I said, it's very social. It's very vibrant. It's very much a, a kind of a, a merchant's town or city was exactly, sort of built yeah. on 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 that and and that passion that energy still kind of flows through the veins of the city and is kind of permeated yeah the uh the drinking and and dining culture exactly um, it's a, yeah it's it's i mean it's ever it's always gets meant you know described as a merchant town which is what it was you know there's the the hub down in uh you know down south osaka you know those it's perfectly situated with lots of ports to um to ship all up to ship overseas as well as to ship um further up to tokyo and whatnot so it's uh always been a yeah a hub for an economic hub and you know the, so many businesses and stuff are based around Osaka as well so it's it's kind of got even though there's a lot of money here there's like a lot of money here. Mm. um I think I you know I could be misquoting myself here but uh though I think the GDP of Osaka is is like ranks around 30th in the world like mm. you know above countries so there's like, yeah. like Osaka alone makes more money than you know countries like Hong Kong and Singapore and yeah. loads of european countries like there's a lot of money here but despite all that money it's it's still got this kind of like almost working class vibe this kind of blue collar vibe yeah um, it's very unpretentious and uh yeah it's people like you know there and there's a bit of a you know like i said there's money here but like doesn't mean they like to spend it they like also mm. <laughs> like, is famous for, you know everyone knows it's famous for a bargain um, yeah people who love a bargain and the you know it's. I think a lot of companies have noticed that uh, if you put limited edition onto any kind of product, mm. Osaka is where it sells out. You know, like <laughs> Osaka people are a sucker for that kind of thing. You know, if you call it limited edition, you do anything to make it sound like it's some kind of bargain or some kind of good deal, and they'll go for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and yeah, and it, I, I it's, not, it's not like an official motto kind of thing, but I think there's definitely a vibe in in Osaka of you know, the just because it's cheap doesn't mean it should taste bad kind of yeah like you know they're, they're very much about getting value for money um not spent you know they don't want to spend too they'll spend the money they'll spend money but not in one place kind of thing so yeah uh, you know the the there's that also again another kind of cliche if you will of the the quid out it um mm. idea of the eating till you drop uh mm. culture which um Incidentally, I don't think I've ever heard anyone here say, "Hey, let's go quit out it." I think yeah. it's, it's, it's not—it's not a goal anyone sets for themselves. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard anyone actually say say it. It's like just one of those things that happens, though. But yeah, it's like people were more likely to to drop all their money over, you know, going to five different venues in the evening rather than going to one nice sushi bar and dropping all the money in that one place. Yeah, they'll go to they'll go to like five more reasonably priced places, and you know. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty rare to, to just go to one place, one bar. It's, you always gotta, you always gotta like you know stretch it out over a few. Yeah, yeah. Kind of make the rounds, and and also, and honestly, I mean, it's a it's a massive city, but I mean, if you're of reasonable health, it's a very walkable, cyclable city as well, too. Yeah, like, yeah. I guess I, I I like you touched upon it was 
the idea that right people there they spend while they're generally frugal if they're going to spend their time and money and energy on something it's generally it often is going out to eat and drink and to like you said to drop it at their spend their time in well-earned cash and yeah. energy at uh, at a handful of different places um and that despite price being something that people are very cognizant of that is does not necessarily equate to a reduction in quality or if it does like it's pro that that place probably isn't going to survive all that long like people yeah, sure sure they there's the standards are still high yeah yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely the standards are definitely high um and yeah you there's and it's one of those places you know i mean tokyo is the same kind of thing there's just a massive amount of you know the, the ratio of restaurants to people is ridiculous there's so many restaurants here so if 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 what you're serving just doesn't taste good it's just not going to happen here it's like you you and and osaka people are the kind of people that will they'll say it they won't you know they won't just you know keep it to themselves they'll They'll yeah. let everyone know that that place is pretty ordinary. They'll probably let the people yeah. know to their face as well that this, you know, this food isn't up to scratch. It's not going to. Um, but yeah, it, and it, I have to admit the frugalness rubs off as well. Um, and you know, I, I don't like to consider myself tight, but you just once once you've found a place with ridiculously good you know, with a ridiculously good sake list and ridiculously good food for like ridiculously cheap price, it's like why would I go anywhere else? Yeah, yeah. So you, you kind of get. It, it kind of sucks you in and you be, you, you kind of get stuck in, in the same way of yeah. thinking of these people's like, you know, why would I spend so much money when I just don't need to? Yeah, um, absolutely. 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 It's a, well, and, and then at the same time, I mean, you have, you know, Michelin star restaurants and things like that. You've got a lot of those floating around Osaka and stuff as yeah. well. But it, it, so those are there if you're looking for those. I mean, some of the most, you know, exciting or exceptional you know, say high-end yeah. dining experiences are in Osaka uh, yeah. as well, but that you don't necessarily have to spend that degree of cash and seek out that experience to have. Not at all. That's not the equivalent of a great Osaka experience necessarily. No, no. And that's one of the things like when I was doing, uh, which I hope to be doing again eventually, the, the, the guiding um, around Osaka before uh, COVID, and yeah, I mean, my, most of the time, you know, my idea was taking people around for, you know, that kind of true Osaka experience. So I was taking them to the places, the holes in the wall and places that aren't on TripAdvisor and whatnot, you know, the, where you can get a, a genuine experience of Osaka food and people and culture kind of thing. And every now and then people would ask, you know, about the Michelin starred restaurants and, you know, I'd be honest, I, I don't know, I'd, I've heard some of the names, but even if you, if you ask the average person out here on the street, you know, what's the you know what's the michelin starred restaurant what's the, what's the top restaurant also like, they don't know they have no idea yeah. um the people that know are actually the, the you know the tourists that come over here from overseas that have looked up the book before they've got here and they're like oh there's this place you know that it's got a three-star you know template restaurant everyone's like never heard of it yeah <laughs> it's like and, you know and they'll say yeah since thirty thousand a head thirty thousand yen a head like three hundred dollars a head and it's like man I know a place where you can get like seven, you know, seven dollars a head, and it's like ridiculous. It's, it's, yeah, it's you know, yeah. So yeah, it's those places exist, and I think also as well, like um, if you go there, you'll find that those kind of Michelin-starred restaurants, the customers are actually tourists as well. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very rarely is it locals, and if it is locals, they're probably there on their expense account from their company or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm probably not there on their own yen. 
right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, and it's, you know, it's not a matter of right or wrong or better or worse, but there's, they're very different experiences. And it's just cool that yeah. you have, that those are both very much there and that they kind yeah. of, yeah. Co then they can kind of coexist and, yeah. and all that. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, it's one of the things as well, like I, that a little frustrating that I find sometimes is so many people when they'll come to Kansai to the, you know, Western Japan and they'll stay in Kyoto for like three or four nights and they'll come out to Osaka for a day. And it's like, man, you're doing it the wrong way around. You're supposed to stay in Osaka for three or four nights and go out to Kyoto for a day. Yeah. You know, go out to Kyoto for a day, see the temples, get your Zen on, you know, yeah. kind of enjoy that vibe. <laughs> and then you, you want to come back here. This is where you want to be every night, you know, yeah. and hitting the bars and, and, the, and places around here that's, that are open late. And, you know, it's, and, because yeah for some reason a lot of people do it the other way around i think you know kyoto is like so high on everyone's list of, of things to do and people put a lot of effort into it and into and time into you know into kyoto and i think yeah they they kind of uh overlook osaka as you said it's like it's accessible it's right here it's it's 25 minutes away from kyoto it's if you've you know especially if you've got your jr pass and you want to jump on mm. the shinkansen yeah you get you know you get the shinkansen down there you're there in 15 minutes 20 minutes yeah <laughs> crazy close and you got uh you know kobe is is not far away Kobe is only 25 minutes away 30 minutes away Nara is close by everything's close by there's nothing that's that's far from from Osaka and so it's the place to be to be based and then just do all your day trips out all, all those places and then come back to Osaka and, and soak up the nightlife I think is the way to do it cool so if you are going to soak up that light, nightlife then I mean there's there are a lot of sort of different areas that kind of have their own flavor I guess you could say or sort of their own their own culture when I maybe thinking about maybe some of your tours or places that you like to go, or are there maybe certain areas that you sort of associate with certain things that you maybe might recommend for certain people to check out, let's say if they're looking for a certain kind of experience or anything yeah. like that? Well, basically Osaka gets usually broken down into North and South. So when you come into Osaka and you're in uh, Umeda, which is also uh, the main central well, it's considered North and North Osaka, but I think for travel purposes, you can kind of consider it central yeah. because it's the, the main station. So when you come into uh, that area there uh, around Umeda, that's called, you know, kind of the Kita area, which is the Northern area. And that's generally considered a little bit slightly more, um, I don't know if upmarket is the correct word, but a bit more, a bit more, you know, well-behaved. There's, there's more shopping, <laughs> there's more businesses and whatnot around there. Um, there's the area uh, Kitashinchi, which is kind of like a um, an, an up up market area. If you do want to go to an up market area in Osaka, that area Kitashinchi is kind of like a, a I don't want to be too derogatory, but maybe a poor man's Ginza um, <laughs> kind of area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Osaka's answer to Ginza. Yeah. Um, and basically, the the further south you get, the more downtown, the more downtown and dirty it gets. So you yeah. start from that area in, uh, in Umeda. Actually, before we go south, around Umeda, there is also one station where you've got Tenma, um, which is an uh, excellent area for, for um, drinking and eating. It's a yeah. very, very cool uh, working class kind of area where just, you know, hundreds and thousands of uh, tiny little bars and, and, you know, any type of food you could ever imagine is, is there. And then on the other side of, of that is uh, Fukushima, with Fukushima district, obviously nothing to do with the prefecture. And... Uh, Fukushima is also a really, really cool place. It's kind of, in the last few years, it's got a little bit trendy in a good way. It's kind of picked itself up. Um, yeah. And a lot of young people are kind of starting to hang out there. And there's some really cool sake bars and, and restaurants there as well. And so basically from there, you head south um, 
And probably the first place people get to is the Shinsaibashi number area, yeah. which also has the famous Dotonburi uh, River, um, yeah. which is kind of the, that postcard image that everyone has of Osaka. Yeah. Um, so down there, and that's, again, down there, that's where things start to get a bit hectic. You know, you get, there's the, the neon signs, there's the crabs, you know, crabs hanging from the, the walls with the wiggling legs. And, you know, it's that, you know there's the, 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 the gentlemen's bars and the, you know, nightclubs and basically everything um yeah yeah that it's the that whole area is like used to be you know the, the whole kabuki theater um area and it's just kind of yeah turned into this massive nightlife monstrosity which is out of control yeah yeah, um, yeah. but it's cool it's good fun and if you go in there and there's you know the, the number area just a little bit beyond that and then there's another area called uh Uranamba, which is you know basically the the underside of number um, and that's also a really cool area for, um, you know, discovering, you know, sake bars and all any kind of food you could ever think of. And from there on, you, you could head a little bit further south and you get into Shinsekai, um, mm -hmm. which is, and uh, which again, I think a lot of people probably know from the Tsutenkaku Tower. Um, yeah. And that's where it starts to get, yeah, it starts to get really kind of almost cliche Osaka. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I think that, you know, there's Osaka can get pretty gaudy. It's not, it's, mm. it's not, it's not always, you know, they're not always the classiest people when it comes to decorating and, and, <laughs> you know, and decor and things like that. So that's where you get down there and you see all these, you know, you get the cliches of the, you know, the people walking around in leopard print jackets and you yeah. know, the most over the top kind of clothes and um, shiny, shiny sequined, you know, hats and whatnot and old ladies with ridiculous amounts of makeup on and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's and, it gets louder. It gets more vibier. You know, it's, it yeah. really kind of gets um, out of control, and it's in a good way. In a good way. And basically, yeah. yeah, that's kind of. I think that's where a lot of people tap out. That kind, of, that kind of, you know, is kind of enough for a lot of people. But you can still go a little bit further. You can head into like, you know, Nishinari, which is an, an area which uh, most Japanese people will tell you to stay out of. I think from from a Japanese. Uh, perspective missionary kind of they think it's a bit scary it's a bit you know a bit, a bit dodgy a bit sketchy yeah. yeah yeah but i think for most westerners <laughs> it's not yeah. that bad yeah. most westerners kind of come over and go oh, i've seen worse yeah. but, you know if you yeah so it's i think it's 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 maybe a bit sketchy by japanese standards but yeah yeah i think it's not so bad it's not so bad we have an exciting announcement from our sponsor the japan sake and shochu makers association as of june 30th Japanese shochu can be sold without a hard liquor license in New York State as long as it is 24 ABV or below. After over three years working with the state legislature and the IRS, and in cooperation with the Japanese Food and Restaurant Association among others, JSS is excited to announce this change in the law. To celebrate, JSS will be holding a tasting event in New York on the 3rd of November with shochu distilleries from Japan, and will be inviting members of the Japanese Restaurant Association, other restaurateurs, distributors, bar staff, influencers, and others. JSS will also be sponsoring a cocktail week and an authentic shochu and awamori month with Japanese restaurants in New York. Bolstered by this success, JSS is also looking to work with the California legislature to enact a similar change in the Golden State. Now, back to the show. When it comes to dining in Osaka, I mean, there are a few things that are kind of, that are kind of iconic. I mean, you've got things like okonomiyaki or something like that. I mean, when you think of like an kind of a an iconic 
dining experience in, in, in Osaka. Obviously, you've got everything, like you're talking about in Tenma and some of those places. You've got all kinds of cool bars, bistros, you know, fancy things like that. But you've also got some really sort of like iconic, you know, Osaka related things. Like, what's if, if somebody was, say, I don't know, come in and they were going to spend, you know, let's say they had a, a night or a couple nights and each night they wanted to hit, you know, a couple different things and get a real Osaka experience, even if it's not, say, a specific restaurant, like what kind of, what kind of things do you recommend people tr try, try and look for, maybe region people grab, ought to gravitate to? That... Um, yeah, it's interesting, like, as you mentioned, kind of the, the food also kind of ties back to the frugalness in a way, because the most, a lot of the food that Osaka is known for is, you know, has its roots in, in, uh, in being frugal and economical with your food you know things like the yeah. okonomiyaki um which people would probably a lot of people would know is you know just a bunch of like vegetables and eggs and flour and just mashed in together so it's kind of born out of leftovers being mm. you know thrown together um and same with like takoyaki as well you know the, as, as often you know referred to as octopus balls these kind of flour-based dishes where they've just kind of let's we've got flour yeah. <laughs> let's just throw some stuff in there as well to, yeah. with, with eggs and like kind of yeah. make you know get stretch it out as far as we can you know make some yeah. most out of it but yeah i i think a night out you know i think if you're going to do like okonomiyaki and takoyaki you might as well do them at the same time there's loads of places yeah. that serve both um so yeah i think it's it's easy to to start off the night you know with a bit of takoyaki on the street even yeah. um the the catch with drinking in in, in osaka those most places that serve a lot of that traditional osaka food don't mm. tend to have really good sake lists yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah okonomiyaki restaurants and uh and especially takoyaki places mm. yeah tend to be very sparse with their sake so you kind of you know you might want to just stick with a the beer there are yeah, a couple yeah. there are there are a couple there's a handful of places that take it you know that take sake seriously um but most of those places are more just kind of beer and shochu kind of bars yeah um but then yeah you got like things like kushikatsu which is uh you know which is one of my favorites. It's just like a great way to spend the night out. Just deep fried anything um, on a stick. Some of them do get pretty imaginative with, uh, you know, <laughs> with as far as stretching the idea of what you can stick on a skewer and, and deep fry. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of fried foods like you know like tempura as well is is, is kind of like underrated and maybe not um, people don't maybe associate Osaka with with uh, tempura. But there's a lot of yeah again cheap kind of uh temporary places around mm -hmm. um in terms of like another one is uh again going back to like the frugalness is is uh, a type of meat uh hormon, which yeah. is you know basically off cuts and things like that of, of yep. uh, and a lot of people love that here i'm not i have to admit i'm not the biggest fan it's not my favorite mm. way of eating meat but there's yeah. a lot of uh hormon yaki places where um yeah you can get some really good interesting cuts of of meat um and they're usually very reasonably priced but one of the dishes that i do like from that kind of style of eating is uh dotayaki okay a, a dish of usually yeah the off cuts of that hormone you know and it's uh slow cooked in, in like uh, white miso and midden mm. and it's one of those dishes that loads of restaurants have and so it's i always if i see it on the menu i always get it because every every restaurant does it a little bit different um so yeah it's, it's one of those dishes it's always fun to try whenever you see it because it's 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 and it's one of those dishes where every restaurant claims theirs is the best so it's you know you can just go away to try it so but uh but yeah okonomiyaki takoyaki kushikatsu um 
there's it's probably harder to think of you know think of something that you can't get in Osaka it's like what can't you get here it's like not much right that is that is very true that is very very true there's so I guess so let's say if you're looking for say a, a more sake specific um I don't know experience or something whether that's a dining experience or or something else going on a you know a tour or some sort of visit is there is there anything that that you recommend or that you think might be accessible to people well i think yeah it's it's interesting the the drinking culture here is is a little bit different i think from other regions um particularly well i mean the obvious one to compare against is like is tokyo and kyoto and lots of the places here are small um i i really don't know a lot of places that take you know like big you know large groups is, or and have lots of tables a lot of the sake bars are pretty small and they're often about the the social aspect of drinking there's you know everyone's standing around just talking to each other there's the idea of matching with food or particularly matching with dishes this particular dishes is not so much a thing here so there's a lot of places where they'll say the food in general goes with this sake. Our, our food in, in general goes with the type of sake that we've got on offer. So basically any of it will work. Whereas, you know, um, yeah, doing the thing of, right, I've ordered this sake, which dish would you recommend to go with what I've just ordered? And they'll be like, oh, I don't know, anything will do. Um, then, of course, there are places that are a bit more specific, but uh, yeah, in general, I kind of find that um, a lot of the restaurants do kind of offer that style of, of dining experience which to be honest is <laughs> is what i like yeah enjoy your evening yeah um absolutely 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 i mean i know there are a few sort of rather iconic um sake shops around osaka as well too um yeah there's definitely some good retail places um right there's like the famous one is the uh, yamanaka sake no mise um right which uh is in just a little bit past number heading towards south. It's a little bit difficult to get to, but they did like just this week opened up a new branch in uh, the, what's it called? The Marche um, shopping mall in Umeda station in central. Osaka. Right. It's real close to, right? To yeah. Osaka, I, like the Umeda central station there, right? I went, I went there yesterday. Oh, very check, good. I had to check it out. So um, yeah, they've got they've got some of this. Not all of their sake, but they do have some of their sake there available. Um, and they've also got a bar set up there as well, so you can like do a taste. And they've got a whole, quite a fair bit of sake that they had there, and you, it's like got those automatic dispensers, so you can go up and like just yeah, get your own little tasting set and sit there and, and have a drink there at the bar and, and buy some sake there. So if you if you can't get to the main store, um, they've got that set up there. There's um oh man, there's a, yeah there's a, also nearby in Osaka there's the Asano. Asano Saketen. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the exact correct name, um, which is not far and easy to get to. Um, with a lot of, which is very Kansai heavy um, sake shop. So if you're looking to get mm. stuff that's that's local, the Asano uh, Saketen is, uh, yeah, has has an excellent range of, of Kansai sake. Um, I guess, of course, another obvious uh, sake experience if you're in Osaka is is Daimon Shuzo, which um, many yeah. people would hopefully be familiar with as being uh you know a, a, a sake brewery run by um mr yastaka daimon who speaks fluent english and also has uh marcus consolini their american uh ceo there as well so it's and it's only a small little brewery it's, it's a you know boutique brewery that's set up amazingly though for guests um 
with a, a restaurant and drinking space, which is probably not open at the moment, but um, hopefully will be open in a few months. But I mean, that's obviously as well. It's, it's only about a 20 minute ride out of uh, central Osaka, out of Fumita Station. And that's like, again, that's a no brainer if you're in Osaka and you want to learn about sake and, you know, without having worried about it, a language barrier as well. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it's an easy place to, it's an easy one to solve. Just head out there and, and um, yeah, you can do brewery tours and tastings there and they can sort you out for sure. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Very cool. No, it's, it's yeah, Osaka is just, I can't recommend to our listeners enough to say, like you said, to just dedicate some time, yeah. a few evenings and just to go out and just do it because yeah. it feels, it feels great to right. go out drinking in, in Osaka, like yeah. above and it's, things generally taste incredible. And I said, you get a lot of, you get a lot of exposure, like you said, to Kansai sake as well too. I find when I go out in Osaka, I find a lot of great sake that is, that maybe doesn't appear as much in local bars, restaurants, bistros in say Tokyo, yeah. but are more prevalent around here. Like when you're in Tokyo, you tend to find not entirely, but there's a lot of more say like tohoku sake, a lot more yeah, sure. Ni, you know, Niigata, Yamagata, Fukuoka, or sorry, Fukushima, places like that. Whereas when you're in Osaka, you get the stuff from from Hyogo, from yeah. Nara, from you know, from Mie, from you know, places around yeah, there it's, that it's just a very different composition of sake list that I, yeah. it seems. And it's I mean, I guess that's one thing as well, is like saying, you know, Osaka might not be a a major hub for producing sake, but it's definitely surrounded by, you know, other big places. Obviously, you know, Hyogo and, and Kyoto and Fushimi, and, you know, you've got uh, Shiga and, you know, and, and Mia making lots of sake and all those areas. And then, in, and Shikoku as well, Shikoku Island is not far away at all. It's like an hour and a half really? drive. It's, you know, it's, it's not not a big effort if you, you know, if, you, if you've got a car to like head over to Shikoku and then you've got everything that's on offer, off, everything that's on offer over there as well um so and all of those yeah the, all of those kind of areas and then even you know the sake from below from down Kyushu and whatnot as well it all kind of ends up centering in around Osaka so you there's not a lot that you don't get here and again yeah. going back to the Osaka kind of personality I know I know personally quite a few you know uh uh, uh people that you know proprietors of sake bars that are actually quite aggressive about you know getting the sake that they want in there and so yeah. they're not going they're not going to be told that we're, they're too far away for you know sake from tohoku they're like no no you you send it to me you, yeah they, they put their foot down and they demand that they get it so yeah i know yeah a few places are quite aggressive and, and you know about getting the sake that they want in there yeah. so yeah you don't go wanting for for much to be honest yeah yeah right. but yeah, it's, it's like you said though yeah it's, it's it is always that um as mentioned before you know that thing about I think it, yeah, Osaka kind of gets a, you know, rough treatment and so many people kind of treat it as that because you've got the international airport there. It's like, it's the last night we're leaving tomorrow. So we stop, we're staying one night in Osaka kind of thing. And then we're flying out tomorrow. I hear a lot of that. And it's always, yeah, it's kind of frustrating. It's like, why did, why did, why did you leave it so late? Why yeah. did you leave yourself one, one night? You got to spend a few nights yeah. here. It's kind of like, yeah. it's kind of like someone saying, oh, you know, can you recommend a Beatles song? You know? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> come on i can't just give you one because that's what people yeah. do. So look, we're, we're here for one night where should we go and it's like dude one night's not yeah. enough yeah you know 
you got you got to plan this better <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely is there is there a good time of year to go are there say like are there events are there any things are there maybe good times where people are yeah. people visiting or avoiding or i would avoid now during summer <laughs> it's it's awful i mean yeah given osaka's location or lack of location to um any beaches or anything like that it's it's it, and you know it's an, an industrial area so it's like just buildings and concrete and concrete heat it's it's hot it's hot so this is not a great time to be here um but spring is you know which i guess is obviously a great a great time for any region um with a lot of sake being released and a lot of sake festivals happening. Uh, spring is definitely a good time. There's some really good festivals on. Um, around that time, there's the, uh, the Kamigata Nihonshu World uh, Festival. That's Kamigata as in the region. Of yeah. The, the Kansai region it doesn't, doesn't mean yeah, it's like a, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a, that's a really cool event that has a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of Kansai breweries and they kind of tag up with, uh, you know, some local uh, restaurants and kind of do like a sake and food thing. Um, there's the Aishu Deto Festival, which happens usually in, in April as well, which is an amazing, very uniquely Osaka kind of festival that's usually held at a, um, at like at a concert venue. And so there'll be live bands and laser shows and and it's mm. it's kind of got a bit of a what happened kind of like the what happens at Aishu Date or stays in Aishu Date or kind of vibe. Okay. A lot of the brewers kind of get a bit loose, and there's some crazy things that that you'll only ever see happening there. Um, <laughs> it, the theme is usually based around professional wrestling. If that, <laughs> so you you, you, you might why you might, not? <laughs> yeah, if you if 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 you've ever wanted to see your favorite brewer dressed up as a Mexican pro wrestler, that's the event to go to. <laughs> um, and then uh, it, I think you I, just convinced a lot of people to in April. <laughs> yeah. Um, another, I mean, like one, another really good event that's uh, it was born in Osaka. That's that happens not in April though. That's not in spring. Is actually on uh, on World Sake Day on October first. There's the Nihonshu Go Round Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was actually born out of Osaka. That started here. I don't know when. I don't know when it started. Ten years ago or so. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not even that long. But uh, yeah, that's just started with this big uh, pub crawl kind of event that started in like a, like a, those regions that we mentioned before of like around Umeda and around Namba, those the north and south, mm. southern parts of Osaka. And it's kind of spread to other regions and it's pretty much gone national now. So on Osaka, on, sorry, on uh, World Sake Day on October 1st, yeah, that big national Nihonshu go around festival that kind of started out here. But, and I think here is Osaka is still where it peaks is like, there's so many places that it take part in. It's just, it's, it's impossible to go to all of them. It's got, you know, yeah. and, and get out with a safe liver. It's yeah. Just, yeah. It's this huge festival. Oh, very cool. But yeah, spring's definitely a good time. There's a lot, a lot happening in spring. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And so hopefully by, by spring, you know, we'll all be able to travel to the Island freely without having to worry about extra applications and, yeah. and, yeah. and proofs of, health and and all those exactly. other things and so exactly excellent very cool That's very it. cool i said i said you can fly i said they got the international airport in kansai right Kicks, the well, kansai yeah, you international the, airport and, and you, you got, got the domestic the, right well the domestic airport is actually yeah, located in itami you know which you mentioned before is, is um so you can be there in itami and pop over to like you know konishi shuzo there and yeah have a little look at their beer hall and and yeah try some sake and hit the museum and, as well yeah yeah i think that they actually do have a if i'm pretty sure it's still there they've got like a sake tasting bar there in the in the domestic airport as well um, oh, they, they might actually they, they yeah, very they, well might yeah i'm pretty sure they i haven't seen it lately but they did they did it definitely yeah. at one stage yeah. um but yeah so 
yeah, you, it's it's accessible to everything. There's, there's like, as I said, there's nothing that you go wanting for if you when you're in Osaka. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. So hopefully everybody will, hopefully listeners will have a chance to come and uh, pay Osaka a, a significant visit uh, on their exactly. next trip here. Um, and if you're at a loss for where to go, you can you can reach out to Julian and, and he'll take care of you. <laughs> don't, try, don't try and do it in one night. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> very good, very good. Any, anything before we tap out here? Anything you want to share? Any anywhere people can if they want to keep track of what what you're up to or things going on or? Um. Well, I yeah, you can always track me down on Instagram. I guess that old <laughs> infamous photo site. Um, I'm a sake underscore advocate on uh, Instagram there. Uh, we've also got yeah, the sake industry news is there on Instagram as well. Um, but yeah. Because most of the places you can uh, catch me. Actually, speaking of uh, of yeah, handles and whatnot. Uh, that my in the next edition of Saki today, there should be uh, there should be as I say, um, <laughs> an article that I've just finishing writing about uh, sake bars in Osaka. Timely enough. Oh, amazing. Um, and, and specifically sake bars in Osaka that are run by uh, some lovely, lovely ladies. Uh, okami san, okami san, cool. as we call them. Yeah. So. The, uh, the, sake, the ladies' sake bars around Osaka. So there'll be a few places to check out in that next issue of Sake Today as well, hopefully. Amazing, amazing. So yeah, I'll, I'll put, we'll, we'll, put a, we'll put a link in the show notes so folks who are interested in Sake Today and looking into that, they can, they can track that down as well too. Excellent. Very cool. Julian, thank you so much for sitting down uh, with me here this, this evening. Now I Not need to motivate myself to make the make the trip down down your way down toward a good old kamigata down toward toward Definitely. osaka not at all Off thank the... you very much for having me it's been uh i'm always i'm always happy to gibber about osaka and how great it is <laughs> it is you know it, it really is it really is a special place and so i hope mm. yeah i hope our listeners will take take a little bit extra time on their next visit it's definitely definitely worth it and memorable or i don't know you may not remember all of it but it's uh <laughs> it's memorable in some capacity it'll it'll resonate for 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 uh years to come i'm sure. sure excellent excellent thank you so much sir we will talk to you again here very soon thank you and that will do it for one more episode here at sake on air if you want to go ahead and follow along with our sake adventures you can do so at, at sake on air on instagram twitter and facebook or if you'd like to share with us some of your thoughts feelings or questions go ahead and reach out to us and your hosts here at the show at questions at sake on We'll be back next week to visit the next destination on our sake travel series. And so until then, come by. Sake on Air is made possible with the generous support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association and is broadcast from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center located in the heart of Tokyo. The show is brought to you by Potsuke Productions with audio production by Mr. Frank Walton.